0: This is the Mercy Talk podcast. Mercy Talk is brought to you by Mercy Multiplied. We exist to encourage, equip, and empower both men and women with the same biblically-based principles we've seen work for over 35 years in our residential homes. If you wanna find out more, head on over to mercymultiplied.com. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome back to Mercy Talk. It is crazy to think that we are in the last week of April and we are also in the last week of the series that we've been doing on treatment or transformation. And if you have not followed along, we encourage you to go back uh, to episode 1 which is actually pretty cool cuz you will get to hear from Nancy herself who wrote the book just about uh, the inspiration behind it and the why and also um you know a lot of how she put this together it's just a really cool behind the scenes look at the book itself but we encourage you to go out and get the book and read it and read these stories don't just listen to the podcasts but go go back and um and read the book for yourself and read these stories of of god transforming lives and and looking and seeing it what he can do and celebrating with that but with that being said mel is actually going to read our very last story of treatment or transformation today mm. and i think it's on is it Porsche? Porsche, Porsche. Yep. And to be clear, i'm not
1: i'm not going to read it. Right. Sorry been he be reading. here for like a really long time. And right. there's an audiobook That's exactly of right. this very book. This that is not in paper. Yeah. So, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I will not read it because it has been read and recorded, but so, i will recap it for you all. Yes. Um and so Porsche's uh, her story actually starts with her being abandoned on the side of the road by her mom at the age of three so that's where we're starting uh now it wasn't like um abandonment for good it was just abandonment for a few hours which apparently was a trend in her life um her mom uh used drugs her father was in prison for a grand theft auto um and basically the state eventually intervened in her story and portia was placed in foster care with her younger brother Now, her first her foster mom already had two children of her own um, and really just seemed to single Portia out for punishments. She would deprive her of food. She would force her to stay up all night in the corner. Um, And one specific night, a female babysitter who was watching Portia sexually abused her. And, you know, really just for her, I mean, that awakened a level of pain that she had had never really known or experienced and to make matters worse, um, she began waking up um, multiple days um, to men sleeping in her bed. Um, Before her sixth birthday, Portia um, thankfully was rescued from that foster care situation Um, and she was adopted by her grandparents and was even thrown a welcome home party for uh, by her family and things really started to it seemed like they were turning around. um, but with her grandparents, you know, working really long hours, she was often left at home alone. And one day, some older male relatives stopped by the house and sexually abused her. And at the time she was only seven years old. So we're only at seven years at this point, guys. Um, but she was really afraid that her grandma would just, you know, kind of crumble under the weight of of this um, Information that she was abused um, by all of these people. And so she decided to keep the abuse to herself, and it continued on for years. Um, At times, she would lock herself in her room, she'd scratch herself till she bled, she'd rip out her hair. um, And actually, she attempted suicide at the age of nine. Um, Obviously, that suicide attempt failed, um, but eventually, She was able to really just reveal the depth of all of this abuse abuse to a counselor, and she was admitted to a hospital where she was prescribed medications that never seemed to really be able to get to the root of her pain because, listen, I'm not sitting here bashing medication because sometimes it's very needed, but medication never gets to the root of someone's pain so correct <laughs> two different things um but anyway one day when portia was 15 um she just she was uh, pouring out her heart to god she cried for him to hear her voice and just see the pain that she had been carrying and she just said to him you know like god i need peace of mind i need you to talk to me and this is what she testifies she says that suddenly a warm sense of peace just came over her and she sensed a voice telling her to go into the bathroom And somehow she knew that that voice was trustworthy. And she walked over just to look into the mirror. And it was if she was seeing herself for the first time. And she heard God say these words. She heard him say, I love you. You belong to me. You're my child. And those words impacted her at a deep place. Because, man, when you hear the Lord speak those words over you something shifts in your heart heart and for her that made those thoughts of suicide just flee and and she really sensed what it was like to be truly deeply loved Mm. um so anyway this eventually she she moved to Ohio uh with a cousin where she began attending church and and slowly but surely experiencing what safe community was like, which was very important. But there was still so much healing, um, obviously, that she needed to undergo. And so at her pastor's recommendation, she applied to Mercy. And once she was here at Mercy, she really just embraced everything that Mercy had to give and offer and that the Lord was doing in her life here. Um, I love this part of her story that she really especially loved her bed here at Mercy because it was the first one that she had not been violated in. Mm -hmm. Um, and as she specifically heard more about forgiveness, which man, they, when the young women are in our program, we walk through lots of different principles of healing, but a huge one is forgiveness. And when she started to learn more about that, she really started to have this longing to be, um, to forgive Mm -hmm. and to be potentially reconciled with her parents. Now we'll talk about this later cause it's not always a good idea, but in her situation, um, Portia's father had gotten out of jail and he had made the decision to kind of turn his life around and to leave his past behind him. Um, and there was reconciliation that was able to happen between Portia and her dad. Uh, reconciliation with her mom was a little more difficult, but over time there were doors that were opened for a new relationship with her as well. Um, which really the one with her mom was, you know, she just is like, this was, this was one of the greatest miracles of life that I was able to reconcile with my mom. But Um, so again, that's, that's unique to her story that there was reconciliation that was able to happen with her parents. Um, we'll get into some of that later about how that's, you know, not always possible and not always safe, but, um, for her, that was part of her story. And, and now Portia continues to work as a house leader at a home, um, with people who's suffer from various disabilities. She's financially stable for the first time in her life. And currently she's writing a book to give to other people really the same tools uh, for finding freedom that she, uh, she experienced in her own life, which I just think is so cool. Um, and one of her goals at this point now is to graduate from college. Um, she's going, she's on the path to get a degree in communications and, um, I think one of my favorite quotes of hers from the book is just that she says, now on the back end of all of this, everything about me has changed. My heart was broken at one point, but God created it to be loved and to love. And that is the life that I have now. So I love that testimony statement from her. Yeah. Yeah. So there's Persia's story.
2: Yeah. And it's, you know, when you get into. excuse me sorry guys um when you get into a story like that and obviously all of the hurt and pain that she experienced at such a young Mm. age you know and and one of the ways we talk about what we do is different i think as christians you know so you can be the best counselor in the world and we have some of the best counselors Mm -hmm. um but the piece of forgiveness Mm -hmm. for being treated that way over and over and over and over again is only something that the Lord can do. Mm, And, you know, when we talk about this at empower a lot, but you're right, there is a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation, but also, you know, a lot of, people think that forgiveness is like, oh, so they did all these terrible things to me and now it's on me to forgive them as Mm -hmm. if it has really anything to do with the other person. And I think that if we can reframe that or shift our mind to a place of understanding that the Lord called us to forgive because he knows that is how we are blessed. That is how he can pour into us. That is how bitterness does not take over our lives. And at the end of the day, if she would have chosen unforgiveness, no one would have blamed that but she also would not be living Mm -hmm. free it Mm -hmm. would forever when we function in unforgiveness The thing that happened to you, what that person did, whoever that person is, will forever be tied to your heart. Mm -hmm. And we almost make an agreement with a soul tie in a way that I'm not going to forgive them and they never go away if you don't. And the thing is, is that the Lord is so gentle in helping us through that. And and it's not, it's a place of obedience because it's for us to be blessed, not for you to give up one more thing. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think Mm -hmm. that's how the enemy tricks us is like, you know, they did all that and you're the one. You're, you know, I'm the one that has to do this. Mm-hmm. I'm the one that has to. And I just really, if you have those thoughts, you know, just kind of pursuing the Lord and, and talking through that in the ways that he can just bring such peace yeah. and freedom in it. And she's such a great example of that.
1: Yeah. And then, yeah, circling back one more time. Actually, forgiveness. B- before you oh. before you go there, okay. you, you sharing that just made me think about yeah. um, a story or or kind of a picture that one of our former program directors here at mercy shared that the Lord gave her about forgiveness and what it looks like. Yeah. Um, and he said a lot of people he told, this is kind of like something that he told her one day, um, as she was processing some of her own pain he said, you know, a lot of people picture forgiveness as a kid who gets beat up on the playground and God goes and picks the kid who got beat up and drags him over to the person who beat mm-hmm. him up and, and looks at him and says, now forgive them. Oh, that's good. And instead, what my heart for forgiveness is is that I pick you up while you're bleeding and hurting and I say, let me show you the path to healing. And that's mm-hmm. what forgiveness is. And I have never forgotten that, that picture. Because so I don't know, I just think sometimes people use forgiveness... Mm-hmm in the church as like this like you have to
2: yeah Yeah. well you better
1: Jesus said 70 times you you want to be forgiven yes and it's like it's just this thing that God told us to do to make life hard and to be mean and no he understands and I now believe it like I've never believed it before after being at mercy as long as I have I'm like oh my word the key to their healing was always through forgiveness and so it's him and his grace commanding us to forgive because he knows what it does for our hearts so exactly right
2: before i was coming to mercy i was struggling with neglect physical and
1: sexual abuse
2: i think someone should apply to mercy because it is a place
1: of peace It is a place of worship and love and you find a strength within yourself that you never knew you had
2: Man, that was so good. Thank you for that. I'm gonna that was not my story, but yeah, that no, was I've no, never forgotten I'm, it. But I'm using yeah. it. We'll credit somebody. I just always assume whatever I say is not for me. and yeah, probably got true. it from somebody else. That's true. Um, but you know, on that same note, and what we do again, talk about it, empower, and teach about it, empower is that forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same thing. And yes, mm-hmm. it frankly, it is rare
0: mm-hmm. that
2: someone would be able to reconcile with one or both of their parents. And I, I love that. That's such an exciting part of of her story. And it doesn't mean that God can't do it or won't do it, but there is a place of, I'm going to deal with my forgiveness. And then if, if reconciliation is to happen, like I'm not forgiving to reconcile, Yes, if yes. that makes sense. Yeah. Like I'm forgiving because that is between me and the Lord and our hearts, yeah. you know, together. Um, but yeah, a lot of times reconciliation isn't possible because Mm -hmm. you then just put yourself, especially if you've had lots of trauma and you know, all of that, like you've got to be in a pretty healthy place to walk back in an unhealthy situation and not be harmed Harmed. more. Yeah. Yeah. So would you you say
0: that this is a pretty rare exception like in this story with,
2: (sighs) yeah, I mean, yeah, yes and no, I'll say that. I mean, yes, I think overall, um, but you know, like we just did our, our study, um, you know, cause we do a bunch of research here and have data and that's one of the things I love. Um, but, and we have, I forget how many responses we have. We were like, how many people in your family were impacted because you came to mercy? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think like 600 people, if that is wrong, I'm sorry. You know, I usually don't say data unless I know, but we had so like an overwhelming amount of young women respond and say, wow. my grandpa found the Lord, my brother, my sister my mom my uncle my you know all of these people that then found the lord because they saw what happened in their lives you know that can't be the goal yeah right because then you're manipulating something and that just doesn't end well um but i I would frankly say when the lord's working and shifting and moving you know some really cool things could happen so uh, you know i'd say from a counseling standpoint in the natural overall Probably not. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, we've seen some pretty amazing things happen, too. And I'm interested
1: to know, even from you, if you would agree with the statement, my husband and I were just this last week, we um, were in a session with a counselor who's actually a life coach, but because y'all, we do it, too. It's really good. Counseling is really good. (laughs) No shame. Um, Anyway, we were in our session and and we're kind of walking through a situation of of having to forgive someone that's close to you know, to mm-hmm. the family. And, um, and I asked, I was like, I feel like I know the answer to this, but I'm really interested to know your input. You know, I asked him, I said, is it possible to have a close relationship with an unhealthy person? Cause in this oh, story, wow. we're talking about somebody mm-hmm. whose appearance were yeah. abusive. I mean, yes. this was, this was pretty, a uh, right. pretty extreme mm-hmm. story, but, um, for just someone who's just an unhealthy, toxic person, is it possible to have a close relationship with that kind of person and still be okay? And he said, he was like, I think it's possible to have a relationship Mm -hmm. with a toxic or unhealthy person but as far as how much they get into your own life and in your own world and you stay healthy, you gotta, you gotta walk that line and you gotta figure out what looks like health for me Mm -hmm. because, um, and especially when you're talking about like in this scenario, like parents, um, and you don't even know sometimes like the depth that they're affecting your life because you've, you've lived with them your whole life. And so you don't even understand sometimes. So it was just an interesting concept because like, there's a place for forgiveness, but then there's the place of like, how much do I allow mm-hmm. someone who is still in an unhealthy place into my life so that I can still stay healthy? You know, like yeah. that's just a whole different thing. So, well, anyway, if you're asking, <laughs> asking. no, I think oh, at, at yeah. the end of the,
2: <laughs> at the end of the day, if you know someone is unhealthy, I don't, you can't loving someone as a parent. Okay. Cause you're going to love your parent at the end of the day, no matter yep. what they do.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, and you, you can have hatred for them and what they did. But even that comes out of because I need to love you. Yeah. Wow. Right. And so, but if you know someone is toxic, it, to me, a close relationship. So if we define that word would be that someone gets to speak into your life mm-hmm. and and so you can have a relationship where maybe you talk on the phone and you love them and all that, but there's a boundary where they do not get a say in your life. They mm-hmm. don't get to speak into your heart, yeah. to your heart, to, that's you know, anything you're yeah. not, you know, going to go to like seek out wisdom, yeah. you know? And I think that's where a lot of people get, get caught up is because they really want to reconcile with their parent now as an adult and, and go to them with a problem and have their parent parent them. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you have to grieve the process that, that they're not able to do that yeah. for whatever reason. And I can say, like, even for Scott, that was one of the most freeing things for him mm-hmm. was to say, OK, like I was not parented mm-hmm. and I'm not now going to be parented, you know, for a bunch of different reasons. Um, but when you function in that context, then you can have a healthy relationship in the way that they can and you can. Yep. If OK. If
1: yeah.
2: that makes sense. So you kind yeah. of grieve that loss. Yeah.
1: But the relationship has had to be reframed.
2: Oh yeah, and so well
1: because they're not capable of right. being good to you, right?
2: Mm, and yeah. and you We're if just... you got to manage expectations. Mm-hmm. If somebody's not capable of being good to you, then you're setting them up for failure. Yeah, and you're just going to be really mad all the time. Yeah, and they're either not going to care or they're going to be confused.
0: Yeah, wow. Yeah, you know. This is so good. I'm just like, I feel like I'm in the class right now. I should have brought a pen and take notes. Seriously. You I'm can like, listen to this, this later. To one more question. All right. Let so me think of it right now. No, oh, it's so good. This is all just such good practical stuff, I feel like, that you can take in. Um, not only whether you're using it for your own life or somebody that you love, but, man, forgiveness is just, oh, cannot be understated. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I thought that was really cool, too, was the way that she found it. a a piece of her healing and community. Um, I think that the church is really well known for what we do wrong. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But it is really interesting to me that God still very intentionally wants us and means for us to find healing and hope within the church as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I love that part of her story was finding some of that healing in a healthier community when she moved to Ohio and then to even here at mercy that our transitional team is very intentional about when our girls leave, helping them, you know, set, setting them up for success by, um, you know, whether parting with the church or making that connection, but making that an intentional thing, that community is key to you finding continued healing and health and your own walk and spiritual journey. And just in community in general, we can't, can't do life alone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, so much so that, that's one of our what we have coined
1: the four stay ins. That's right. Of like when we, when these girls are graduating from the program, um, here are four things that if you don't stay in these things, like you're setting yourself up here. Okay, so, there, yeah. and, and one is staying in the word and then staying in prayer, staying in accountability, but then staying in community yeah. and specifically within. Like a local church. And so, if a young woman calls in and they're like, Well, I'm struggling again. I'm really having a hard time. Okay. Well, so, how are you doing with X, Y, and Z? Oh, you're not communic like, you're not connected at all to a, a church, family, yeah. community. Yeah. You're yeah, probably struggling. Yeah. Start there. <laughs> like, yeah.
2: That's I mean, for that's, all of us. that's for, all, yeah, of for us. all of us. And I'll tell you what. <laughs> from the intake side, when you have a girl, no matter what their story is, that has a church that's supporting her and she's like, I'm ready and has come to a place where a church is like, hey, I think you need more. And she is like, yeah, I think I do. Guys, I mean, they are almost always extremely successful because wow. they've come to that place. And we have seen <laughs> less and less the church is supporting young women coming through the process. I would say it used to be that everybody was kind of sponsored, if you will, okay. by a church. And we've seen less and less of that. And, you know, I have a lot of theories to that. And that's probably for a podcast for another day. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, when, when the church is supporting somebody and loving them well and being like, cause I mean, they help them through our, our into, you know, the yeah. application process when they get there, we already have relationships to work on for transitional care because yeah. we begin working on that early on because you've got a plan for freedom. Right. And what is that going to look like? And so, you know, even when you read that part of her story, I was like, that's so great (laughs) that a church was like, hey, we know a place and you've got more because the church is not necessarily equipped to deal with that level of trauma, you know, (laughs) and some of the deeper things that that you need and and we need to take time out in a way to come Pursue wholeheartedly here mm-hmm. in our program, mm-hmm. um, and obviously it can happen outside of these walls too. But mm-hmm. there is a lot of stuff that I think we accept now that um, mm-hmm. it just as a church that we could be like, oh, you know what, she needs more, and that's okay, and yeah. let's let's tell you about a place that. Yeah. You know, we can walk you through. Ooh,
1: this just made me so excited about where we're headed. <laughs> oh, you just sang series. it! I yeah, like I'm it. So excited! I'm going to sing about yeah. it. Yeah, um, <laughs> do it. We. This is like a impromptu, I guess, teaser before, for kind of where we're headed in our next series over the next couple of months because we're going to start talking some about like some of the issues that. Um, the church could maybe use a little bit of encouragement on how oh, to best respond. I didn't even um, know
2: about this. Yes, We're all this this finding is a out for together. You as well,
1: <laughs> but you know, uh, one of the things that Rachel and I have been talking about is like there's these things out there that are kind of like just stigmas in our society that mm-hmm. that people who deal with or struggle with these things they get a mark of disgrace, or the church just doesn't. Maybe maybe talk it's not even it. a disgrace thing. It's just as much as the church is like, I don't know what to do with this uh, thing, yeah. so I'm not even going to talk about it, or yeah, or you know, anyway. We want to talk a lot about not just like the local church, but believers, the yeah. body of Christ. What? How do we best respond to these things? Yeah. Um, and I'm man, I'm pumped about it. So that's, y'all, just even what true. you guys just shared just made me really excited about where we're headed in the next few weeks. Pumped. So, yeah.
2: That's awesome. Well, I am very excited.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I cannot
2: yeah, wait to really find done. out more details. Um, <laughs> so on that note, this actually wraps up our series on treatment or transformation. And as we mentioned, um, we just covered a few of the stories. And what we did is, you know, if this is the first one you listen to, we just kind of pulled out different themes. Um, so reading the book will be uh, a blessing to you and it will not be as if you just heard it all. Right. Um, yeah. And then we do, I think, word on the street, audiobook is, is I am say I don't know how you find audiobooks, I guess, on the internet. Audible. On Audible. You find them on Audible. I don't I do do so audiobooks I either. Know, that's I why don't I'm like, looking around. I, like, that's like the only way I can read a book. Books, I read paper so yeah, books. Awesome. I read paper books. I do. Sometimes <laughs> on my
1: phone. Anyhow. Yeah, you on, can get the audio audiobook on Audible, Audible and then the paper book on Amazon or on our website. Yeah. So So get that and do Mm -hmm. that
2: thing and um anyway but we're wrapping up the series and thank you guys for for joining us and uh being with us and i am now super excited for what is next (laughs) so yep so this is brooke melanie and rachel and we will see you next time on mercy talk
0: we're so glad you joined us today we'd love for you to head on over to itunes and leave us a review you can also find previous episodes there Mercy Multiplied is a non-profit organization completely funded by our donors. We're incredibly grateful and couldn't do what we do without them. If you want to find out more how you can partner with us financially, head over to mercymultiplied.com.